Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 200, episode 2 of Dare Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Thursday, August 31st, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Ah, uh, 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 you didn't say the Mad Jack word. Uh, that is courtesy of Suburban Panic Attack, a quote from Jack Rassic Park. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! He's so faded. He's not a star, but he cries, cries, cries while he's in his car thinking if there's nothing missing from his pipe then why can't he smoke without light oh uh, man i just i just thought that shit up about five minutes ago did you really so, shout out to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah just, I, look a part of my uh like mental health uh like sort of journey i'm going on is trying to use social media less and less so yeah. i checked the discord i checked my mentions see what's up what's going on there and then i kind of go back to doing like other work and then right before, I'm like, oh, shit, I need an AKA. And yeah. sometimes I just try and, you know, force myself to get creative. There it was, y'all. To the tune there of Lucky. There it is. Uh, yeah, that was beautiful. Thank Lucky, you. one of Thank I think you. one of the hit songs of uh, the year 2000. Mm-hmm. I had a whole chunk. There was a lot that we didn't get to on our live show, but a lot of good stuff that a lot we of did. There's a lot to talk about that year. A lot of that memories a, of Chris yeah, Crofton, yeah. too, that we were not <laughs> <laughs> talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think you can still watch it on VOD at yeah. momenthouse.com slash the Daily Zeitgeist for another couple days. Yeah, yeah. If you want to see the live show, it Come was through. Really fun. Well, Miles, we are thrilled to be joined yes. in our third seat by one of our favorite guests here on TDZ. Uh, she's a brilliant, talented writer and podcaster yes. who has yes. written for publications like the New York Times, the yes. New Yorker, the New York yes. Review of Books, and GQ. Was a staff writer at Grantland, uh, the co-host of the legendary podcasts Girls in Hoodies and That's Night right. Call, and the host of the upcoming legendary podcast Heidi World, the Heidi Fly Story. Yep. Please welcome back to the show Molly Lambert. To do an AKA, I don't know yeah. how this works. Yeah. Uh, Molly Lambert, AKA No Ho Mo. Mm-hmm. No oh, Ho Mo. No Ho Mo. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Molly yeah. from North Hollywood. That's what exactly. That the, exactly the Lord, the Lord of Lancashire. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. The fucking <laughs> uh, the Magnolia Maven. The you chief feel me? of Chandler, Miles. Exactly. You'll appreciate this. There was a fashion spread with Kendall Jenner recently in Elle magazine, oh, where it was like Irish. Kendall Jenner modeling the newest fall fashions in her hometown on the streets of her hometown and there's a big spread where you can clearly see a street sign for sherman way okay she is such a usurper to the valley name i know but she's been there for you know i will west valley west valley yeah yeah. and i get that and like and those are the kinds of people who's like act like they're not in the valley sometimes until it became like this other thing she got the or whatever the the tequila the brand, tequila. the uh, mm-hmm. appropriating tequila brand. <laughs> well, she, good for uh, her. You think she's actually been on Sherman Way though? Well, she was in this great. photograph. I just, I, honest, I know, I was shocked that she was. But you know, on Sherman, Sherman Way. Way. Sherman Way is not glamorous. Sherman well, Way is a very normal so valley funny. place. That's what yeah. I thought was so funny about it is that I thought it was going to be her on like Rodeo, and then it was like, oh no, they right. really shot her in the valley <laughs> right or like mm. in her hometown by the calabasas common <laughs> exactly. you know what i mean Sherman <laughs> way fam <laughs> yeah come on she's in lost hills yeah shout out to the north hollywood van Nuys people in van and shout Sherman out way. to the humble parts of the valley where miles mm-hmm. and i originate from uh yeah. what's up team what's Not up much. team what's just, up uh, gang just living day by day wait How is lost you? hills the same as hidden hills is that no they're they're Maybe I think Lost Hills is a road that takes you to Hidden Hills. Right, I think so. Got it. It's like an exit, for sure. Yeah, I think about it when I'm driving to Malibu, because I go through the valley. Because there's all those parts you go by, things like, I'm never getting off this on this (laughs) off-ramp in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep going. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Until we get invited to Drake's house for a party. Right. Right, exactly. When he raps about like hidden hills, that's a. Uh, I just love it because it's so funny to me. <laughs> that hidden yeah. hills, that are also uh, just kind of like about Calabasas. 
from the part of the valley we're from, like, we're like, oh, okay, Hidden Hill. Okay, Calabasas. Like, you yeah. guys are soft out there. Right. So to hear, like, rappers, like, bigging up that area, it's just kind of funny. Where it's like, oh, that's your, that's the, that's your retirement Well, area. rappers all move to the valley is what's funny. Yeah. Like, Ice Cube lived in Encino for a long yeah. time. So long that's where time. He went to school for a while. And I feel like Snoop moved to, like, Chatsworth, which was really funny. Yeah. But again, it's like you can get you can get more house for your money. In you remember the, the Stallionaires who were on I Love New of York? Of course I remember. The they were living right there off Canoga. I would see them at the at the Jerry's Deli right there all the time. Wow. <laughs> I was like, all right, Stallionaires. Wow. I, yep, Chance uh, and Real. I love it. Rest in peace, I think, to Real. Passed oh, away right. Years ago. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the the conflict between Real Valley people and uh the hidden hills valley people is is the kind of central conflict of the great american text karate kid oh yeah. for sure <laughs> i mean that's more yeah. that's also like uh right encino versus like van nuys is he supposed to live in van nuys Reseda. Reseda. Right, right. Yeah, i just saw yeah. that movie for the first time like pretty recently and i was shocked how good it is it's yeah stands up I did really like I, I started a podcast for five seconds called Dorm Canon, where I was just going to watch every frat guy movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I did a really good podcast with my friend Karen Tonkson, who's going to be on Heidi World, about Karate Kid because she was like, oh, as like a queer woman growing up in uh, outside Los Angeles in like Riverside County, like this movie spoke to me so mm. much. I just wanted to be Daniel San so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Like our part of the valley, if there was a party in Calabasas, the kids who went to school out there prayed that us kids didn't hear about this house party. He's like, these fucks just showed up from cross town. <laughs> oh, we're the bridge and tunnel. That's uh... even in the valley. And then everybody else can sit, you know, just just keep us. Just, we're fine. in North. That's Hollywood. why we're respectable. Yeah. That's why you know, we can hold, hold our heads high. We yeah. didn't we didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. Karate Kid and Rocky both gave me a complex where I thought it was like glorious to get the shit beat out of you. Oh, because wow. like the protagonists in both of those just got the shit kicked out of them constantly. <laughs> Raging Bull, you could do a whole, uh, a yeah, triple feature. If- yeah, where are these men? You know, who are like, yeah. yo, it's manly to get the shit kicked out of you. You know, yeah, just Jack, just Jack, yeah, just yeah. Jack. And I did Only get, once know. Once I got jump kicked in the chest by a bigger kid, and I was like, yeah, I'm like Danielson. <laughs> I'm just like, like oh, Daniel. I bit. took it. Yeah, yeah right. I took it. Uh, yeah, Karate Kid Rules, I just was astonished that it had, like, the gravitas, you know, that they get into, like, internment camps and stuff. I was just yeah. like, this is a yeah. real movie. This is like a 70s movie in the 80s. Right, it's not right, right, like right. I thought it was just going to be all like, you know, you're the best. Baccarin. You're fucking killing it. Right. Punching everybody with karate. Yeah. But no, it's like it's like a sad movie. It's great. Yeah. That song You're the Best Around was originally written for Rocky 3. Wow. Got, you're the best like the... around. Mm. Nothing's going to be <laughs> that's that sounds, what I thought that yeah. that Damn, song is what I thought the movie the was going to be like was just like, how many how many parents did cocaine with a baby Bjorn on with that song playing the <laughs> like, around in the 80s just looking at I mean like specifically right, my guests welcome to my house party like in Reseda specifically yeah yeah, exactly. yeah everybody everybody <laughs> all right Molly we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment first we're going to tell our listeners just a few of the things we're talking about We're going to talk about Hurricane Ida and the looting myths that are already taking hold. Not even like, they're not saying that looting's happening. They're like looting fear, which is pretty wild. We will talk about the new uh, trend that walking is for libs. We'll talk about Jonathan Davis from Corn, who is bumming everybody out with very bad COVID symptoms. But he's still like trying to push through. Which is like the a, bummer part. Yeah. Oh, come on, bro. He can't even hit the damdaina anymore. <laughs> Kid Rock is pissed at COVID. We'll talk about why movie theaters are not coming with the vax mandate uh, for, for some reason. I, I honestly don't know. I can't figure that out. But it's not even an easy answer like money. Right. Because money even would then, make right? it. Huh? 
yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's less profitable for them to avoid doing it. Anyways, Molly, before we get to any of that shit, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Last night I was reading about boxers because mm. everybody was watching Underwear? the, no, like, like, oh. like the fisticuffs. Pugilists. Yes. I was, because um, my friend Jay King was talking about Logan Paul. Is Logan or Jake Paul, who's the one who fights MMA or whatever? They both Jake, do. I think Jake fought last Just night. talking about how Jake is like a good character for fighting because mm-hmm. he's like a villain and everyone knows it and wants to see him get punched in the face. And if you know that you're the guy, back to Karate Kid, if you're the guy that like people will tune in to see you get punched in the face and you're cool with that, that's right. a good lane. That's a good lane. So, yeah, uh, yeah I was comparing him to other... I was trying to look up like who were some other like famous Irish boxers, yeah, of the thirties. <laughs> right. And then I found this guy whose name I already forget, but who was like uh, a famous Irish boxer who was also like an actor. And I was like, that's Jake Paul. Yeah, right. And was he also doing like black people versus white people boxing matches too? I mean, well, like, I think that was also what the nineteen thirties was all about, right? right. Wasn't right. it the like, race wars in the ring, folks? Right, because I was like, huh, it's weird that all the boxers were uh, black, Jewish, Italian, and Irish. Right, <laughs> almost right. like those are the people that had to take the money to get their lives punched out. Right. Like sort of. A, did you see yesterday? A lot of people were like, did he take money to lose that fight? Because everyone was like, if you just kept fighting him, you would have probably won. But then Woodley lost in a split decision. So, yeah. And everybody wait, was happened? mad because they just tuned in to see Jake Paul get his lights clocked. Yeah. Out. And that's the thing. You know what? And it's perfect. Like as a money making scheme, that's what you do. It's like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like for a YouTuber, if you can get paid to just get punched in the face and you get like a few million dollars every time, like do that until and, and you're an idiot who doesn't need a brain to function. Right. Just keep doing that. Yeah. But then also recently I looked up the Paul siblings and found out we have the exact same white ethnic background. <laughs> so you may like, be ooh, don't, don't, am I don't related to the, me? Paul, yeah. to the Paul brothers <laughs> yeah they're a little bit Irish English and uh, a little bit German and Jewish allegedly oh okay huh. I think I was also like the the Paul brothers are Jewish like yeah. I know nothing and also is that my internalized anti-Semitism <laughs> for seeing these blonde idiot guys and not thinking they right, could be right. in the tribe but- you know <laughs> yeah, being Aryan gods uh, fighting on pay-per-view where most people are scared. The other part is I like how many people steal the fights, too, to also be like, first of all, I need to see him get his ass beat. Part two, I'm not paying to see him get his ass beat because yeah. I know part three, he probably has the fight rigged or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, but- he keeps fighting. I mean, he's carefully, like, selecting his opponents, uh, even though this guy was a professional MMA fighter who used to be successful. He hadn't won a fight in, like, eight fights. And he's smaller than him. He keeps fighting people who are much smaller than him because he's figured out that that's a massive advantage. Yeah, like people basically outside his weight class. <laughs> they're sort of turning it into wrestling, which is like yeah. pretty smart. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's very, I mean, if he hadn't invented himself like a like wrestling or like boxing promoter, would have invented him to make money off of like evil social media influencer guy who everybody wants to see get destroyed who like keeps selecting his his opponents so that they will never destroy him and we just mm-hmm. keep tuning in being like this is the one i really this want the, one, the, the guy who's 60 pounds lighter and uh and nine inches shorter this time right. this will be the one that'll be them yeah i had no hope for this last one i am hoping that he fights miles garrett though the guy from the browns who would just fucking demolish him i hope um, he fights miles gray yeah i was gonna say i thought yeah you were like, um, okay jack yeah yeah back me. i feel like back. miles <laughs> i back you you could take him i fight dirty oh for I fight sure. dirty. you could fucking you could you could hurt jake paul I, or i'll just start off crying again though you that. might just see him at a calabasas house party and like right exactly and then like push him he down, looks at down, you the wrong way stairs and he says, I, he says, what are you doing? And he does look just like Zabka, the villain from the Karate Kid. That's also. <laughs> yeah. And if he's like, right. hey, what are these uh, East Valley kids doing out here in Calabasas? Oh, like, oh, what are we doing here? 
smoke, baby. And then we're just all the goons come in and we and we steal all the things that aren't nailed down like we would at old house parties and nice places. <laughs> does everybody come out? Would you steal? Oh, this <laughs> ashtray. It was made of marble. There you go. What is uh, what's something you think is overrated, Mom? Board games. Mm. Board games. Mm. Okay. Yeah, everyone's always like, it'll be so fun to play a board game. Is it? <laughs> what board game were you made to play recently? Um, I don't do it anymore because every time yeah, I'm like before. made to play, I'm like, I'm also a little bit short attention span. So I definitely am like, oh, okay, that's enough of this. Right. You're like, halfway you haven't through. even gone yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, I'm the last one in the rotation. What do you want me to do? My friends tried to play Clue and it's like, it's uh, not as fun as you might remember it being. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to play. I, I like Guess Who. I, I like, like Guess Who. I like that's my level. Shit. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Connect Four. I mean, that's not really a board game, but you no, know, those but like those, those are more in line very, with my attention span. Yeah, yeah, that game, very basic, like derivations on like very classic games. Yeah, like, yeah. Twenty questions is I guess like who? Blackjack. Blackjack is the length of my attention span. <laughs> <laughs> like poker. My favorite board game. Favorite High stakes blackjack. blackjack. <laughs> Just in terms of games, I feel like even like poker. My friends were playing poker the other night. I was like, well, I can't play poker. It takes too long. Everyone's got to pay too much attention. Yeah, I get invited to poker nights or used to when it was like a thing. Yeah. And I was like, I just don't. I know you may think I'd love to sit around a table and well, like bullshit. I'm like, I just don't people have are always like, we'll sit around and we'll hang out and play poker. And it's like, no, you're going to play poker or you're going to hang out. Yeah. There's no situation in which there isn't one person who's like, come on, guys, we're playing very seriously. But also, like, if there's any money involved. Right. People start taking it seriously, and that is not fun. Not fun to yeah. play. So, yeah. So, yeah. All games. Blackjack. Overrated. All group <laughs> activity games. Yeah. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Underrated stone fruit. Really into stone oh, yeah. fruit right now. It's stone mm-hmm. fruit season. And there's this one stand at the Atwater Farmer's Market that has just like a hundred kinds of plums and peaches and things you've never seen before like what like like there's you know pluots and stuff like some of your basic hybrids yeah, what is that i see that written down i'm like it's like an apricot and a plum hybrid and also like all of the oh. hybridizing is fine because i found out a few years ago that everything is a hybrid every like yeah. fruit that we have is like hybridized from a hundred kinds of yeah. fruit and like not yeah, to my parents doesn't grow naturally that way but yeah there's one called a, a lipstick plum that is incredible there's one called a flavor grenade really <laughs> yeah which i was like Yo, this sounds like it's being all. brought to you by the makers of monster energy yeah well, yeah right. i mean flavor fieri's fruit stand <laughs> yeah. hey welcome to fieri farms you want a fucking flavor grenade you want this plum to blow up in your stomach with deliciousness it is really a flavor grenade wow though. so yeah i've just I, been uh, getting into I, look, stone fruit Right. I just Googled flavor grenade because I'm like, is this like a vape flavor? And then I see an article that says how to eat a flavor grenade pluot. And I'm like, whoa, how the how to's because you can't handle the flavor. Yeah, just like that's what's been bringing me bringing me joy lately is getting different kinds of stone fruit that I've never had before. Or just like a really fucking good peach and being like, you know what? I appreciate that I can't get this year round. Yeah, I feel like peaches. The difference between a peach in season and off season is like one of, one of the biggest differences in, oh, yeah. in fruit. Like a, a really good, good juicy peach is unparalleled. And I love plums too. We had like a plum tree in my parents' yard always, and I think plums are underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very sweet. People talk about that poem all the time, but like we don't talk enough about how how plums are really good. The the William Carlos Williams poem, I think. Oh, I have I, I have know. eaten the plums that were in the refrigerator. Forgive me, they were so sweet and delicious, <laughs> so cold and so delicious. People are always oh, doing man. jokes about it on Twitter, but I'm always like, you know what? It's not. Yeah, wait, hold on, he, they were onto something there. I would yeah. eat all those plums. Oh, Leeches, or as I call them, leches. <laughs> are, are delicious stone leches and very That's cool. What the, the colonizers call them. Oh, French yeah. leches. Liche. French leches. Just after Nick, mm-hmm. Liche. I'm yeah. I, I'm I've around a flavor grenade now. Now that you say that, and I'm looking at this picture of it, I'm like, I've not seen like I'm so used to purple looking plums, and this has like this 
sort of almost red or red green apple right kind of they're like the it. coolest colors they have different textures like some of them are like crunchier and some and are it, softer is the name you know is it actually paying off on the name yeah for sure okay cool i'm because you know you know how it is and i People like it because they're just like grenade. no totally and especially with like plums it's like they're along this spectrum of sweetness and tanginess where like some yeah. are like tangier and some are sweeter and that's what I'm devoting my life to now is uh, exploring the spectrum of stone fruit. So perfect. Stone fruit hive. Rise yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Rise up. Shout Rise out to Flavnades. You know, we see you. <laughs> Flavnades. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And as we record this, New Orleans is without power. I'm expected to be without power for a while, for hours. And it's a Hurricane Ida. It hit landfall like at a record strength and also like I think set a record for how quickly it intensified. It like went up 80 miles per hour in wind speed. 24 hours, which is unprecedented. So we don't know much about what's happening in New Orleans because everything's been just knocked back to the Stone Ages. But the attention of the mainstream conservative media inevitably turns to looting. Big headline on the front page of Drudge Report, which is one page that gets as many page views as like the entire New York Times. It says looting fear uh, in big red letters, which is like the hot headline. And it just sends you to a local news report that the police are saying they will be prepared for looting, like no reports of anything coming out of the area. But, you know, one of the first stories we talked about on this show was when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston and there were a bunch of like fake Facebook groups claiming to be like the Houston Twitter, loot crew. Yeah, Twitter accounts, too. Yeah. Twitter accounts. Yeah, there were clearly like white guys inventing marauding gangs just to basically justify murder. And... It it seems like that is more and more like, for, first of all, that's just studies have found that that is not really a problem in the aftermath of these major storms. It's just been widely and wildly uh, exaggerated because it's the sort of thing that the white Hold supremacist on. media You're saying that the news is just going to yeah. report on something that people are going to be like, oh, the chaos of it, rather than something that is true and honest. Yeah. It's crazy also to look at how, yeah, it's just the same exact narrative as we have in Los Angeles during the LA riots. It's like anytime mm -hmm. there is a large, you know, anytime people are out, that's immediately it becomes about like policing and stealing and not right. why yeah. people are out, which is the yeah. real story. <laughs> that's too complex. It's not like, even like you said, even with Afghanistan too, the talk is like all just about how many people got out? How many people did Biden get out today? It's like, yeah. well, hold on. You just let George Bush sob about <laughs> it and not be a critical at all about this guy. I'm like, really? Oh God, it's really, can't believe that happened. Rather than being like, uh, sir, sir, it started with you. Do you have anything yeah. to actually say about this? Because this is, a, this kind of, this has your shit all over it. But yeah, it, it's it seems like the, you know, the more and more we see that the media is just unable to do that. Yeah, I mean the so the there's ac actually like a lot of academic research into this, and the academics are always surprised at the degree to which the existing like police and government fail in in the aftermath, and the degree to which these like spontaneous community groups come together to aid each other, which is. Like such an amazing, like counterintuitive, heartwarming, like just all the things that you think the media would want to cover. And the exact thing that a society that seems to be like everywhere at odds with one another and crumbling would like desperately need to see. And instead it's covered up and instead they use these isolated incidents to create, you know, a false sense that the purge is happening outside. Right. And, like how much purge content do we have versus uplifting stories of uh, communities coming together to aid each other mutually? Yeah. Okay. Right. Especially with the Hurricane Ida. It's like, I mean, it's just, again, we see this every time now, but 
what's happening on the news. The TV news is so different from what's happening on Twitter, which is people like begging for help, which is, you know, both like good that anyone has an internet connection that they can't even post right now, but also just horrifying to watch people being like, please, somebody come help us. Like no one's helping us. Yeah. And this, so this media uh, bias and media myth actually kills people. Obviously, like the racists go out with guns trying to stop the looting and, you know, kill people. But also resources are diverted. Like Robert Evans has a new season of It Could Happen Here that focuses on the coming sort of climate change post-normal society that we're actually kind of already seeing. And he talks about this hurt or a massive earthquake that happened in Alaska in the 60s. And it's one of the disasters where they actually got like boots on the ground academics there to study the disaster response. And they found that the first thing the police did was deputize a bunch of half drunk volunteers to stop people from, quote, looting, even though no looting had been observed. The police chief was so worried about disorder that he almost immediately suspended the search for survivors. So Wait, to focus on like what he to thought focus was on looting, societal yeah. collapse around exactly. Wow. Yeah. And like the fact that the New Orleans Police Department, as the story that's being linked from Judge is talking about, is currently focused on stopping looting is, you know, a misuse of resources instead of just getting supplies to survivors, helping stranded survivors. They're like the first of all, like it shouldn't even be a crime, like when people are desperately in need of resources and everything has crumbled and like there's fucking things yeah, to take. People from can the, loot. let people loot if people yeah, are looting it's because they don't have enough. Yeah. The focus on looting. People aren't. Yeah. They're not selling insane. frozen ego waffles on eBay. A right. couple hours later. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't and and I don't care if someone takes a TV. Like Yeah, honestly, who gives a shit? Who like it's, fucking it fucking cares. It reminds me of the whole thing in America where if anybody gets caught like exploiting the social safety net in a way, like that becomes like this massive story and like the first question that anyone has to answer to about like social you know, unemployment benefits is like, how are you gonna prevent people who don't deserve them to from getting them and it's like just the like two out of a thousand right exactly well, somebody was just tweeting at me too because i was tweeting about unemployment benefits ending in california soon and they are in louisiana and said they've been evacuated and that they are that louisiana cut off unemployment recently before right, yeah. the hurricane so that people who are unemployed right now and going through the hurricane and evacuating like are also being cut off from unemployment which is insane because they need it right now very badly yeah yeah there's this real again even with the media they can't even look at things like survival crime and even articulate what that would mean to an audience no and like like, what does it mean what are crimes of survival and why are people engaging in them rather than like this big like capital c crime that they think everything fits under for sure i mean there was a moment last summer during the la protests that i don't know if you guys remember this there was like a camera crew in Van Nuys where some some people were trying to get the police the to come. Locker. No, it was like these people oh. who had a pawn shop and they were like trying to flag down the police to help them protect the yeah. pawn shop and then the police held them up at gunpoint because they were black. And right, right, this right. woman who was watching was like, no, 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 these are the people who own the pawn shop. And like, again, just like even in those situations. It was just crazy also to see the news who was trying to push this looting narrative confronted with this moment of like, uh, no, those are the people you're supposed to be protecting and serving that you are, you know, assaulting and harassing on camera in front of this news reporter. Yeah, and rather than uh, reporting on how bloated police budgets are, let's uh, bring in Sheriff Alex Villanueva to talk about this military technology that's being deployed on camera right now. And, like, yeah. that would be the coverage. I mean, like, what a fucking disservice this is. Right. I mean, we also see people in Los Angeles. We see the sheriff's department, like, pointing assault weapons at homeless people on the Venice right. boardwalk. Yeah. You know, it does just feel like everything is so fucked up right now. And uh, every time we have a large crisis, like, on the one hand, it 
it's very inspiring to see people banding together and donating and trying to help each other, forming mutual aid networks in the absence of any help from anyone in charge. On the other hand, it's still uh, very disappointing every time when this is how uh, an act of God plays out. Right. We'll call it an act of God, but won't give people the empathy that maybe God would. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about how the Cajun Navy is doing a lot of the relief work themselves in southeast Louisiana. So, yeah, you can donate to CajunNavyRelief.com. Those are private citizens with boats. Yeah. Go there. Yeah. There's a nonfiction book by Dave Eggers called Zaytun about the aftermath of Katrina. And this guy is just a contractor who happens to have a canoe and goes around and like takes care of, you know, stranded neighbors and their pets. And the National Guard like arrests him and uh, puts him in federal custody for basically being a brown person and takes him months to get out and they like continue to harass him for like years and it's I mean, just yeah. like I think the he... thing is not just that like they're bad at providing aid in the aftermath it's like they actively prevent others from provide providing aid because they have an incentive to make it seem like when they're not around and properly functioning the world crumbles right, right. they're the they're the last line between us and the fucking purge right and right. So, and again, we saw in Los Angeles last summer, they were the cops are the ones doing the purge. Right. Uh, right. Against the citizens. Yeah. And also, I'm sure they hate to see that people are when the absence of police or whatever structured the infrastructure in the aftermath of a you know natural disaster is absent, that people are just like, no, we're helping each other. We're not going door to door to fuck each other up. Like, right. it's it's about on some level, you the the chaos brings out just sort of like this general baseline of humanity of people up. But yeah, uh, the yeah. overall statistics say that no crimes go up in the aftermath of a disaster. The only crime that has been shown to consistently go up is domestic violence, which, of course, you never hear about because that's a thing that the police don't don't care about because they're often complicit in it. And yeah, I don't know. It's just I I, I feel like more and more these are the sorts of stories that like we need to hear because it's like the media and the just the news from the world is so bleak and it they're actively being suppressed the idea that like community community aid and mutual aid is a solution like those are actively proved yeah i think people saw that through suppressed. the pandemic too that a lot of people right. were just like mm-hmm. oh like we are really on our own here and that means you have to take care of each other, and that's uh, it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the the habits of the media, it's always like, okay, if it's a disaster, it's chaos and looting, and we're not even going to really bother looking for anything except these like couple things we know are stories that we'll report on. Also, right. you would think they would have learned something from how badly they covered Katrina, but right. obviously not. No, they didn't learn anything. No. And yeah, it's very horrifying. The people, because the people that are really getting fucked over in this situation are mostly poor and people of color. And the news does not report on them because uh, it's racist. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you talking about them? But yeah, you look too, just even where things are happening, they call it Cancer Alley right there in Louisiana. Like, it's a lot of low-income people of color who live in that area who are going to bear the brunt of it. Because that's like places are built in places that are going super fun sites yeah yeah there's a uh an example where photojournalists posted pictures during the aftermath of katrina uh of people walking through chest high water and when it was a white person they were described as uh having found food and when it was a black person it was described as having looted food and i think that's that's all you need to know about yeah, I mean, you have to also think about, like, how many of these people in Louisiana right now lived through Katrina, and this is, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like, uh, your worst nightmare coming back. Right, right. All right, let's uh, talk about a new research poll from Pew that is revealing the, the 
one of the big differences between red and blue that uh, we we weren't aware of. I wasn't personally aware of. Yeah. Kind of makes sense. Well, what is this new? Where is this new arena for political engagement? It is over the topic of walking around your town. Yeah. So when they look at these, they they just took a quick survey. I'm just curious about like in the post pandemic, do people want to like live in larger homes or that might maybe more spread apart with distance between them? Do Would they rather be closer to people and be able to walk to places and just have like more of that kind of thing? So apparently only 22% of conservatives that they pulled want to live in a walkable neighborhood, while 77% prefer driving everywhere. But what's funny, though, too, is when it comes down to Democrats or people who identify as liberals, they say 40% of moderate Democrats and 57% of liberals, quote unquote, want walkable neighborhoods, resulting in a 50-50 split among Democrats. So it's just odd to look at these numbers like I, sure, I, I can understand why if you love your fucking truck or whatever you want to walk around or drive around or m- merely because you don't want to be around people. But to think like for what you see as like stereotypical liberal ideology would be more like environmentally conscious. And maybe you'd think that people would be like, oh, I would like better design of or better planning of my city so I could walk around and do things like that. But it seems like they're split a little bit more. Yeah. I guess I understand why conservatives don't want a walkable neighborhood, but like, what is the, so they just don't want people walking past their house. I, it's, I think it's the same the, thing, right? If you're, you don't want a sense of community, probably ultimately. No, or you, you don't want, want your proximity. house. You want your, your land and no one's allowed on your land. We see this in Los Angeles where it is not a walkable city. And not a great public transportation city, although it's gotten better in some ways. Slowly. Slowly. Where, yeah, it's like people don't even want other people's cars parked on their block because uh, homeownership makes people fucking insane. I think this issue is super complicated, especially in California, because the walkable Mm -hmm. cities thing is also like sometimes that's a dog whistle for gentrification. Right. But what we really need is just, like, better public transport. I mean, I think some of the walkable city stuff is also, like, taking this European idea of the walkable city where everything's central that hasn't existed in California or or anywhere in the United States since, like, the 1950s, you know? Ever since car culture. Yeah, they're like, hey, what if we gave you a bunch of money to make sure people had to have a car to live in this place? Right. For sure, but even like, like even walkable cities, even places like New York that are like, we're the place where you can go everywhere. You know, people have cars and people move to the suburbs and then drive from the suburbs. The idea of the suburbs is really the thing that killed walkable cities. And liberals are just as into the suburbs as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Right. This thing with like, especially in L.A., right, like there's because people don't aren't really pedestrians, they're in their cars all the time it really diminishes your ability to feel connected to anyone else. Oh, I completely disagree with that. I totally disagree with that because I think the idea that you're like connecting with people around with you, that New Yorkers are always like, yeah, I'm just talking to everybody on the subway, running into my friends all (laughs) over town. Absolutely not. People can be completely isolated in a crowd of people. In fact, you can feel the loneliest you've ever felt in a huge crowd of strangers. You know, everyone mm-hmm. is not your friend necessarily immediately. I have all kinds of social interactions from my car. I have like dazed and confused interactions, which to me is like just as counts just as much as like talking to somebody on the street. What are dazed and confused interactions? Where you like where talk you to, somebody to somebody out your somebody car, you roll like, down your window and talk to somebody. Uh, yeah. I went out the other night. And I talked to, like, some guys on a motorcycle <laughs> uh, who started hitting on us from, from the motorcycle. And then I went to Del Taco at midnight, and I ran into my friend Michelle, who was also at Del Taco at midnight. Just in the line at the drive-thru? Yeah. Nice. Honking behind you? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what yeah. I'm saying, well, you know. The, but I think the reason I bring that up, right, is because... I, I I totally agree in that even just being physically in proximity to someone doesn't necessarily create a sense of community. 
But there's a way that you can absolutely shut yourself off by being in a car all the time in a way that like it's it's much easier to insulate yourself. I know there are ways to do that in many walkable what cities. What do you think? Like, no you know, headphones, man. Like people are putting their earbuds in. Like, But there's a difference, right, between you never seeing somebody like, you know, of of any different social class or whatever, and you have whatever idea built up because it's born out of some media diet or whatever your social group says about a given group, another group. And I think being in a car really does allow that to reinforce in a way that I think is can be pretty exceptional. I think you are very much, you're a very social person. And I'm, I'm a not social person. A I lot also across the line, but I think there is, like even for me recently, right, I started riding my bike more. Because I wanted to be, I wanted to like actually feel like be around my neighborhood, see people out of their homes too, and reinforce this idea that like, I'm also around other human beings that are trying to live in the same way versus it's easy to get caught up inside, I guess more so in the pandemic to get inside your house and just start creating a sense of the world that might not actually exist because of like what you're consuming media wise. So for me, and maybe this is just more of a personal thing, I found it a lot easier to be like in public space around other people. And I'm not necessarily talking to people, but there is something that just feels different than being in a car and just like just having, you know, like completely sort of insulated. Yeah, I I guess it's also like I feel like in LA people drive somewhere to walk, you know? Yeah, (laughs) right. So it's like people do walk. They just have to drive somewhere to walk there because it is (laughs) a gigantic place and we don't have the greatest public transportation right it's like yo let's uh let's drive 40 minutes to go walk 40 minutes uh, pretty much that is you know what i mean yeah and uh and like i think that's what i love about biking or i'm getting more into it now no i like cutting down a lot of short stuff i like biking i do i think out there i think biking in la is kind of terrifying because of the car culture yeah you know i've been other places where i'm like it's easier to bike here because it's a bike like i do think having real bike lanes would be great for mm-hmm. for LA. We could use yeah. a lot more bike lanes. Everything is definitely centered around cars. I do think cars here are a little bit like guns in Texas in that you will pry them out of our cold dead hands. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. You know? Yeah, cuz that's how yeah, like So I do think partner- we're just going to get we got to get better electric cars rather than trying i don't think there's going to be an la without cars ever probably no no people are too habi- like just habitually I mean, just there will be an la without with cars. cars but it'll be after like yeah you know. that's when the yeah. roaches are running yeah, shit. yeah yeah but yeah like you know my partner for example she's from dc so her outlook on using a car is so different than mine being a valley scum rat kid who like the car was your like to me was like liberation <laughs> like when you're younger. And so there are a lot of times she's like, why wouldn't you just walk there? And I'm catching myself I'm like, because this is L.A. And then I'm like, man, I'm completely fucking I'm not even looking at things I in mean, a way that will allow me to like actually just make a short You walk. could have good public transportation and walkability, but then you'd have to live in Washington, D.C. that's the trade-off i mean as we found out in the movie crash sometimes those of us in la crash our dang cars that's what i'm saying again just to feel connected maybe it's just me maybe it is because i just go out cruising all the time looking for (laughs) action and like you know crashing into people (laughs) vibing with the city as as miles once said he thinks i do all day which is what i do all day (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i do just think like the idea that car culture is inherently isolating is not i don't think it's true yeah but also yeah it's nice to walk i walk around in my neighborhood but yeah. also because la is so spread out it's like sometimes you walk somewhere and you don't see anybody yeah and it's and i think that's what's also kind of a bummer too because like i'll go on parts of like the la river and bike and like you'll see these like pockets where there's a lot of people and then suddenly i'm like it's a, there's like tumbleweeds and shit. Well, I love the tumbleweeds. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you know, this is again back to like the urbanism stuff. Like the big issues in California are that we need more dense housing for people because we are a city of a lot of people, but there's all these single family homes and that's what everybody thinks they get if they go to California. Right. But right. we can't have that anymore. And Again, I do think people are going to maybe hold on to that idea a little bit 
with their cold dead hands as climate change happens. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, yeah, because we were sort of all inundated and like inoculated with the concept of like American wealth building is based on real estate holdings. Right. Which doesn't ownership. work anymore when the houses yeah. are burning down all the time and uh, being you know, flooded by hurricanes and especially as insurance companies start to drop people that are in natural disaster zones, which is what I think Mike Davis said is probably going to happen next, you know, because mm -hmm. so far it's just been like everything burns down in Malibu or whatever, and then they just build it back bigger every time. Right. But there will come a point when the insurance companies refuse to do that. But then what happens, like banks are like lobbying and they're like, homeowner's insurance is a is a right like it's fucking medical insurance you know what i mean to keep no this and i think afloat. i don't know i think uh people are are also just thinking about where they do want to live i do think that i i do know some liberals who moved to some walkable cities mm -hmm. because they yep. were like if i'm stuck at home during the pandemic I'd rather be somewhere I can like walk around and walk to a place that I want to go than out right. in the suburbs where I thought I wanted to be. Right. Yeah. And just walk four miles and all you see is like a desolate spearmint rhino like in an industrial park. <laughs> okay, but that's yeah. the beauty to me, Miles. You know that. Like, oh, I love it, but I'm saying yeah, <laughs> like we people walked... don't know. They're not used to that one in North Hollywood. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like we walked to the Century 8, which... um. I think is a different theater called something else now, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But I looked it up recently on Yelp and was very delighted to see that the <laughs> reviews were like, this place is still very Spooky. scary at night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spookiest fucking theater. Spooky. Everybody was like, this is the sketchiest parking lot I've ever been in. I was like, like man, no. I love the valley. Yeah. They're like, no, they shot a fucking, uh, what's not Wonder, Captain Marvel in that parking lot. <laughs> Did they? I think so. You're talking about the one in North Hollywood, right? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of scary theaters in North Hollywood, though. Yeah, but that one by the all. Old Wells Fargo Bank that has, like, the huge mural on oh, it. Oh, that's, that's the other one. That's the United UA. Artists that's the, Yeah, one. that's that one's closed forever, I think. Century 8 is yeah. still open, and you can go see movies there. Because I was like, now that the Arclight's closed, where can I go see, like, if I wanted to see, in, like, a Fast and the Furious movie? Like, where would I even mm -hmm. go? And yeah. I was like, yeah. what if I just start going to that theater again? Which I could walk to, yeah. so maybe that brings it back. Maybe you're right. Maybe we all love walkability. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about how COVID is affecting rap rock legends of our youth. And we're back. And Molly, you just closed your window because there's some parrots outside. And you, you and Miles were talking about the fact that that is a thing in L.A., that there's a... Yeah, there's like, some wild parrots wild on the parrots. east side. Yeah. Fucking rules. There's also like, some wild peacocks from... No, that's just, that's just Highland Park. You want York too much. <laughs> hey, L.A. jokes. All right. Got the peacocks out. <laughs> but that's that's... So it was like somebody had them as a pet and then let let them go and like they became. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of stories like that in L.A. Because yeah. like when I was a little kid and we lived in Hollywood, there were like some loose bunnies. Yeah. Right. That would hop be on your lawn. There would be like like white bunnies, you know, not like a wild rabbit, but like a like a. Yeah. Magician's rabbit. And the rumor was like maybe they came from the Magic Castle. <laughs> Right, because <laughs> you know like, what bunnies yeah. do. Yeah, yeah they yeah. make they more stop. bunnies. Yeah, they can't stop yeah. the two. I feel like the two big stories I read about the wild parrots in L.A. is one because there was like a okay, so they said there was a, a wilderness foundation, but it burned down in a brush fire in the '60s, and then so many of the people they released the birds so they wouldn't die then, and then they just started you know doing their own thing. And another one is because. The old Budweiser, the Bush Gardens theme park in Van Nuys that was there in like the 70s, apparently. I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. When they shut down, they had wild birds there, too, that they're like, fuck it, man. Just let them, just fuck them, let them go. Or they, they say they escaped. So now we have our own parrot population out here. Oh, yeah. The Bush Gardens, if you look it up, the Valley Relics Museum posts about it sometimes. But the Bush Gardens was like a theme park in like the valley that 
had some weird rides and stuff. You should check. And it was a brewery. And that's what that Simpsons episode, I guess, making fun of like the Duff Gardens is oh, about. Really? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duff beer for me. Yeah, Duff yeah. It's because there was yeah. a beer theme park in the valley and there was another one over by uh, the Arroyo Seco that was like a bush. The, the first one was like a, a botanical garden and then the second one was like a theme park. Oh shit! Sorry, I uh, I've been watching a lot of the defunct theme park videos on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defunct land, the best. They uh, like, I wonder if there'll be just like flocks of macaws and like parrots in USA because like squirrels in the 1850s, like squirrels were super rare. Like no, but people were like, "Oh my god, do you see that squirrel over there?" And then they like started adding them as like a novelty huh. uh, as they built out parks. And then like now they are ubiquitous. They run it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's Fucking amazing. Well, teasing all of our pets. Yeah. Well, just so you know, there's some a lot of exotic bird content in uh, Heidi World. The Heidi Flash. There you go. Okay. Okay. Come through Heidi World podcast one soon. All right, let's talk uh, really briefly about how COVID is affecting two rap rock luminaries. First up, we got the singer of Corn, who is named apparently Jonathan Davis. <laughs> come on, you acting like you didn't know Jonathan? Yeah, from come Korn. on, Jack, pretending you don't know that the singer of Corn is named Jonathan Davis. Uh, guys, don't don't tell anybody about all the Corn shit in the background yeah. of my Zoom. Uh, yeah, just you should see if he if he pulls his bottom lip down, he has the Follow the Leader album cover <laughs> tatted on there. You mean the band that was originally called LAPD Laughing as People Die? Damn. <laughs> Is that wait, why'd they change it? Right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. fuck. So yeah, J- Jonathan from Corn, he got sick with COVID earlier in the month and he had to cancel some shows and after he, like getting the all clear uh, like in terms of him being, you know, returning negative tests and things like that. He promptly hit the road again. But like his performances have been like just this ghoulish reminder that like COVID can fuck you up. A Was lot of people are like an anti-vaxxer. Here's the thing that when it, when he first canceled the shows, they said his vaccination status was unknown. But then I mean... afterwards, they said he was he was vaccinated, but he was still sick. So. What, regardless, you know, whatever it was, I, it's just interesting to see that the sort of lead up to some of the first shows were like kind of underlining how grim everything was. So before one of the like first return shows, the guitarist Brian Head Welch sent a message to like the Corn fans. And it was like, like, we need you guys. So here is Brian Head Welch saying, hey, like Jonathan needs you guys. He's kind of not doing well. Jonathan Davis is still struggling with the COVID after effects. Um, He's physically weak and having a mental battle and any type of love, light, and energy you can throw at him, prayers, all of it. Um, We have shows coming up, so all of you guys check the dates, whatever show you're going to, throw him some love and energy, man. He needs you more than ever. So, yeah, that was a bit of a preview of things to come because he then went on to do a show where he basically, you know, it was in it was in Chicago and he needed oxygen at certain parts of the show because it was just like really you could just tell how exhausted he was. And so, like, they set up like a big throne for him to like kind of, you know, chill on and you know how like old tiny rock stars will put the throne up to be like i ain't moving anymore yeah yeah yeah. i saw guns and roses after axel uh hurt his leg at coachella mm. and he just sat on right. the throne the whole time oh you went to the throne shows huh <laughs> look at you well because he couldn't dance he was like hurt himself right. doing the snake dance so then at the coachella which was like the big gig of this reunion tour he just had to kind of sit down the whole time and sing so Oof. this is this is jonathan getting like i think after the first song and just kind of just let me know what you think of his whole um, energy here. They knock me the fuck down, y'all. I'm fucking feeling very weak, you know, but I fucking refuse to fucking cancel. I had to come out here and fucking do this shit to you. I've been there for you all my whole entire fucking career. I'm very emotional. I'm sorry, but I've been there for you guys my whole career. Tonight, I need your help, please. 
You see me in the chair, whatever, I'm going to do my motherfucking best tonight. And that's all I can do. So he's saying, please, y'all, I need you. And I just, there's times, like, I'll just show you. He, he had to, like, he'll hit a note, he'll sit down, and then he just kind of has to go grab, like, oxygen. This is him taking oxygen on the side of the stage. Oh, no. Like, being like, yeah! Oh, this is such a bummer. It's like, I need oxygen. Yeah, this whole thing is just, like, bumming me out. Because the way he's speaking and the way even, like, Head was speaking was sort of like, y'all, Jonathan's not doing well and he needs you. And it's almost Bro, like, he's, is he unable okay. to say no? I just want to say that I'm reading Jonathan Davis's uh, Wikipedia right now. Mm -hmm. I did once write a defense of corn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> The, my magnum opus on corn. I'm not against corn. I think it's sad because he has an incredible voice. So this is like, especially like you're like that's yeah. That's again, normal. I'm not. I'm no corn apologist. Especially, I mean, we've seen what was homeboy who was playing on uh, Mike Huckabee show when they were battling on bass and shit. I was like, all right, y'all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Poli the politics out. are bad, but uh, I'm pro new metal and I'm pro band bands from bakersfield but apparently jonathan davis <laughs> suffered severe bouts of asthma as a child had to stay right. in the hospital every month from the age of three to ten and survived a critical asthma attack when he was five years old so this is only putting him in a dark spot so it just it was just one of those moments when i was looking I'm like who's making you do these shows jonathan like i know it's one thing to maybe push against it and be like i'm gonna power through it but on some level it was just kind of bumming me out the only reason i brought it up is like oh it's so hard to watch someone like, A, you realize how much they've been, so much has been taken out of them from going through COVID and then still, like, insisting on doing a thing where, like, they yeah, need oxygen. it's just, like, he literally, like, played the bagpipes. So it's just, like, to see him, like, unable to breathe. So. Oh, man. Yeah, Anna, producer Anna says, Zombie from Zion I died when he was recovering from COVID and had an asthma attack and dropped dead. Yeah, that was also really, really sad. Yeah. It's really, it, it's, I think musicians, especially people that do, I understand why people want to get back out on tour and get back out on stage. Well, another person who is feeling the effects of COVID is Kid Rock. Mm -hmm. He's had to cancel some upcoming shows because of COVID infections in his band. And he is pissed mm -hmm. at COVID, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. This is the only way that men know how to process emotion is through anger anger y'all now get in the pit and try and love someone so he says quote i am pissed over half the band has fucking covid this is a tweet that he put out and yet oh and before you shit for brains bloggers and media trolls run your mouths many of them like me have been vaccinated Oh, many mm. of them. Okay. Not across the board. Okay. Yeah. And then you're sort of like, wait, 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 weren't you, weren't y'all at Sturgis just yeah. a little bit ago? Isn't that where you you might have been? And it's funny because during Sturgis, he posted this fucking shot of him in this gigantic crowd. Again, we went over how everyone's like, Yeah, that Stur Sturgis uh is caused a few spikes in the area. Super like, spreader, wasn't if you will. Three thousand four hundred percent spike. Three thousand six hundred percent spike in Meade yeah. County, where where Sturgis. Is. And were people not vaccinated? I mean, there was, you know, at Sturgis, the rules are like, do whatever the fuck you want. We're not going to make you right. Do well, that's what no I assume is that what we're talking about overall is like a stripe of a certain type of like libertarian guy. Yeah. Who right. I can see being like, I'm not going to get the vaccine, and being like, fuck it, I am going to get the vaccine. You can't tell me what to do. Anyone right. ever. My, and then right. you're like, COVID's fucking up my money. And you're like, what? Yeah, well, that's what he really money. cares about. But they're both definitely like, you know, right-wing leaning libertarians. So I'm surprised. I guess I'm a little surprised Kid Rock is vaxxed, except that he, uh, you know, a lot of people say the whole Kid Rock thing is a persona because he's like from the suburbs. and uh, Right, right, right. Private school guy. Yes. He cares about his, his, uh, his health. Yeah, it's crazy. Even though Kid Rock picture... wouldn't care, Kid Rock would not give a fuck. But I think you know right. like, the guy who is Kid Rock wants to live. Right. Yeah, his name. What's his real name? It's like Bob Buckley. Ritchie, baby. Yeah, it's like Buckley Bob Ritchie. It's just like all right, Bob. His sister was in my play. Oh shit! Wow. One of my hit plays when I was a teenager. Oh hell yeah! Uh, this uh, this picture of him though at, with the Surges crowd, he just said. Quote, there's nothing the mainstream media or internet and social media trolls can do but look at this pick and weep, knowing they will never beat us. Fuck them. Love to you all. And then yeah. to know it's like a few, like 10 days later. I'm pissed. Half the band has fucking COVID. 
also like if we could see how many of the people in this crowd are either in the hospital right now or we would right you know yeah yeah that mean like like let's say some of his band is vaxxed and they get Mm -hmm. delta and that means that they can't go on tour is that because it's like you can't insure people probably that probably Mm -hmm. has a lot to do with it yeah Maybe because I would assume like, he would just let his fucking band members with COVID go on tour. Otherwise, you know, yeah, like if right, they're right, unvaxxed right. and they're get and they're going to the hospital or just at genuinely super fucked up, that makes sense. But if they're vaxxed, they have it. Yeah, I would or, just I'm see sure him there's... being like, "Fucking man up," or just right. like how the you know big business thinks too. It's like, well, I don't want to hire people, and then if they get sick, like then they're gonna sue me. Is it like you right? Is it like you have to pass a COVID test to like play a venue, or is that not even a thing? Still, probably depends on where you are, honestly, because some states are just like, yeah, man, whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, like Texas. Um, That's right. They were doing all those comedy shows early on. Yeah, still going on. Still going on. Oh, Molly, uh, as always, such a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? Well, thanks for having me and uh, putting up with the parrots in the background. You can find me oh, at twitter.com forward slash Molly Lambert. Instagram, Molly underscore Lambert. I will be back on the airwaves with the Heidi Fly story called Heidi World podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you can find me every Tuesday night on a little Twitch show called Deckheads, Chief Stews, yeah, yeah. with uh, producer Anna Hostia, where we yeah, talk yeah. about Below Deck and also other Bravo shows every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. PST on the old twitch.tv forward slash Deckheads pod. Yeah, yeah. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? You know, I just can't think of one, guys. I'm tapped out. Mm. Too much stone yeah. fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Makes hey, sense. everyone get a flavor grenade. You know, you're, everybody owes themselves a flavor grenade. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also, if you like more reality fair, you like Below Deck, check out Deckheads. You like 90 Day Fiance, come through to see 420 Day Fiance with me and Sophie Alexandra. And that's also twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance. So you can check that out there. A tweet that I like. I have a couple. One is from uh, actually Zeitgang listener at Josh Rice Films. He tweeted a picture, like a meme at me. He said, I think you can appreciate this. It's Zach De La Roca from Rage. Because, uh, you know, the whole cops not getting vaccinated thing. So it's just like his picture of Zach on the mic. And it says, some of those that work forces want the pace that's for horses. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Ivermectin. And also another one, uh, Trash Jones at Zucks Z-U-X tweeted, did it hurt when you graduated with a BA in English? Yeah, that did that hurt. Story. Yeah, <laughs> to all the, all the English majors out there. I didn't. I'm not wasn't one. even an English major, but I also had a stupid major. Why? What was yours? Oh, uh, it's called art semiotics. Oh shit! And you can tell how useful it's it is. Called art semiotics from uh, <laughs> what I just said. A major you have to explain. It's just media studies. It's fucking media studies with a stupid yeah. name. But dude, semiotics, I love it. Dude, they're 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 more than just works of art, though. It's the, the, the study of science. <laughs> the study of the M. Night Shyamalan movie science. <laughs> <laughs> that is essentially <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Andrew T tweeted, conservative comedy sucks because every time they do a quote right wing daily show, it's always I identify as a dog in the open and Monica Lewinsky jokes by act two of the pilot. But Find something funnier than taking a horse drug that gives you diarrhea and then dying of COVID. And I think it's hard, hard to find anything funnier than that. And then Cody, Dr. Mr. Cody Johnston tweeted, Corden in the mask costume joyously thrusting at the driver is deeply disturbing prison for a day. I don't I don't know if you guys saw that clip, but. I saw something of him in that gray suit and people were like, what is happening? That movie, the the Camilla Cabello Cinderella that's coming straight to video. Mm-hmm. Going to be a camp classic. Just calling it now. Cats Ooh. fans, get in line. This movie's going to be so bad. We're all going to watch it. It I is think... a modern remake of Cinderella where she's a girl boss. And oh, they use boy. all new pop songs. It's giving me big wow. from Justin to Kelly energy in the promo. Right. Uh, nobody can act in it, and it looks like it was shot for uh, $20 on a soundstage. 
So I use all that money licensing all those non-original that's works. That's right. Of music. If you were like, man, I wish somebody would Hamiltonize the story <laughs> of Cinderella. Right. Right. This oh. is the movie that we're all going to watch. I think she's a shoe designer. Oh, oh really? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is very, very good. I'm really liking <laughs> this. Oh, yeah. Why don't we watch the trailer and screen share just for fun as uh, we go out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we may have to do that then. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song are we suggesting people go check out? So there's a rap duo called Paris, Texas. Not the other band. This is a rap duo from Compton. And they have, I've gotten real more and more into the shit that they're making because they're like, they're rapping, but they're also kind of doing their thing. Just like over like really great, like sort of garage rock band beats, uh, kind of like you're listening to like, uh, like White Stripes or something, but there are people rapping over it and it's got a lot of style to it. And I'm just like one of those things you hear and you're like, damn, this is fucking dope. So this track is called Force of Habit. And we're going to go out on that. So this is Force of Habit by Paris, Texas. Check that out. Go find it. Go download it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.